0: Connecting you to the future of the internet. internet. It's Sunday Social with Vaughn Davis.
1: Oh, I used to feel so uninspired. Oh, and when I knew I had to face another day.
2: Welcome to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughn Davis with you right through until 8 o'clock. Aretha Franklin, Natural Woman, of course, that was released in 1967, as was I. I hope you had a wonderful Father's Day for all the fathers and sons and daughters out there. Personally, I'm still waiting for my breakfast to be delivered in bed i tweeted that this morning when when do you give up when do you give up on the the breakfast arriving in bed i sort of heard a kerfuffle at about 8 a.m and i thought that might be my breakfast uh being made but then 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 the toilet flushed and then, then then the kerfuffling stopped so that uh that little dream came to an end but i've had a wonderful day i hope you have too this is show number 227 Radio Live Sunday Social. Hey, a very big thank you to everyone who tuned in on Friday to listen to me uh, sides, I guess, uh, what, would I, what was I doing? Sidekicking. I was being the sidekick, the tonto, the tonto to Lisa Owen's Lone Ranger on Radio Live Drive, three to six on Friday. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Although I've got to say, I've got to say I, I do wish more of you had uh, voted in my support in the uh, in the poll that Lisa put up because you see I had I had for lunch on Friday. I had for lunch on Friday a very nice toasted cheese sandwich. And, um, you know, reasons to hate me, uh, I live and work in Auckland, and this was a $14 toasted cheese sandwich. And it seems that 88% of Radio Live listeners think that is way too much, way too much to pay for a toasted cheese sandwich. You can tell me right now whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea to pay $14 for the very best toasted cheese sandwich you ever did taste. Uh, text 3920, keyword live, and Saskia will give me the score at the end of the show. You can tweet me at Vaughan Davis. Now, Saskia, we don't often bring you on air. We don't often bring you on air. Saskia is our technical producer. And what that means is uh, she's all that's standing between me and, uh, and, and radio goodness not happening, really. Oh, Saskia is saying something. She's saying something. She's grabbing some. She's running. She's got some headphones. She's running into the booth. And her job, her job is to make sure that this show goes to air. So the music that you hear, uh, my guests, people on the telephone, me even, me even, it all comes down to Saskia. But today, today, Saskia told me a uh, a story which really really got my attention about the value of Wi-Fi. What happened? What's the real value of Wi-Fi, Saskia?
1: (laughs) Well, that's kind of an interesting introduction to it. Um, Well, I was telling Vaughan this afternoon about a kind of chaotic event that happened on my street where we had a random um, occupant of one of the flats nearby walk up to a, I guess you'd call it a halfway house, that's across the road from my house, And it ended in an altercation with the man being stabbed.
2: So what was this over? Was it over drugs, money? Was it a a spurned lover? What was it?
1: It was over Wi-Fi.
2: Of course it was. Yes.
1: So uh, man A, let's call him, walks up the road and decides to hit up the guys in the halfway house going, hey, you guys are stealing my, my Wi-Fi. So they shanked him.
2: Just like that. Just that. Passwords, people. That's why we have them. That's why we have that. That's the
1: golden rule.
2: That is the golden rule. No, the golden rule is doing to others what you would have them do to yourself, I believe. Yeah, maybe That's don't shank
1: people over Wi-Fi. Don't <laughs> shank
2: people over Wi-Fi. You know what? You can have my You can have my Wi-Fi. Come down my street. The password is password with zero for an O. Hey, uh, later in the show, we've got very bad news for Chinese gamers or gamers in China. If you're going to China you want to do some gaming, bad news for you. Uh, we've got bad news for everybody. If you're staying in New Zealand and want to enjoy a little bit of YouTube – Got some bad news for you, but I have got some very, very good news if you are looking to book an airfare in the near future. So stay tuned for that. First, though. If you live in the city like many of us do, like Sasuke and I do in the mean streets of Auckland, well, the dawn chorus is made up of rubbish trucks during the week and lawnmowers starting up at the weekend with the occasional police siren to uh, take away someone who's just been stabbed for their Wi-Fi. Once upon a time, though, the valleys and coastlines of New Zealand were so noisy with birdsong that Cook's sailors described it as deafening. Those sailors and their mates did us no favours at all though when when they helped introduce rats, stoats and possums to the country and now our native bird population has been decimated. Trying to turn that round is an outfit called Squawk Squad and co-founder Fraser McConnell joins me from Wellington now. How do you do?
3: Kia ora Vaughan, good to hear from you on a Sunday night.
2: It is, now the native bird song is coming back to Wellington isn't it?
3: It absolutely is, with uh, some amazing efforts of Zealandia and more, um, as well as some residential uh, trapping efforts in Miramar and more. Um, so it's great to see Wellington's really leading the, uh, the the show out of our cities.
2: So Squawk Squad, what is your contribution to the uh, the, the I was going to say retweeting, but that's a that's a social media term. <laughs> the, uh, the the reintroduction of the dawn chorus. What are you what are you doing to help that happen?
3: Yeah, so Squawk Squad is a social enterprise, and it, the, uh, the co pupper of, of Squawk Squad is to engage Kiwis in the protection and growth of our native birds. So it's not just about saving as many birds as possible, but really engaging as many people in that as possible. And we do that by allowing people to sponsor traps towards conservation projects. And when they do, through our app, they get a live notification every time that they're catches something, um, be it a pest, a rat, stowed, or a possum.
2: So you've got this network of smart rodent traps. Let's, let's talk about the traps themselves first. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So um, we, we didn't design the traps. They're good nature traps, also coming out of the capital, Wellington, as well. Um, they're gas-powered, so they can fire up to 24 times without needing any sort of um, refueling. Um, and... Uh, they're also connected with an Encounter Solutions uh, sensor on them that comes out of Auckland. So basically we found two cutting-edge pieces of technology um, from from New Zealand, Aotearoa, and we've connected them and that means that we can have live data going to not just the people that sponsor the traps but also to the sanctuary or the conservation project managers. So instead of having to go check a wooden box every single week whether it has or hasn't caught something, um, they get live notifications um, knowing when a trap has gone off and when it needs refueling so they can leave it up to six months instead of check it every single week, so which makes f- quite the difference.
2: So Fraser, paint me a picture of one of these gas-powered traps. If I'm, I'm strolling through the bush. I, I, I come around the corner, I see one. What do I see? What are the working parts and how does it actually uh, kill the, 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 the little bad buggers?
3: Yeah, look, um, you'd see straight away an orange and black uh, trap, um, and basically uh, you have a small little lure at the top, which is almost uh, wacky So I probably bogus. need
2: you to describe it a bit better because you said you're going to see a trap, and I knew it was a trap. So what does it look like?
3: Okay, so the trap uh, basically it's a small attachment on the side of the base of a tree, um, and that's screwed into the side of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like a bit of a you got like a bit of a, a nozzle uh, coming out. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a lot smaller than your traditional box uh, trap, so your Dock 200s. Um, like, it's about the size um, of, a, of a lunchbox. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, it's shaped a bit differently, kind of like in a, in a T-shape.
2: Okay, so um, a lo- along comes Ratty. What, what attracts Ratty to the, the trap in the first place?
3: Uh, so you've got this, uh, this waxy uh, lure um At the top of it that drops out over time and that kind of drops out over six months a six month period and stays fresh mm-hmm. um and Mr. Ratty would smell that um I uh, think that that was a, a great sort of smell, and he would climb his way up the base of the tree and poke his head through a dark tunnel um to try get this uh this lure
2: this um, delicious and- this delicious delicious rat snack, yes. Yeah. What yeah. happens next? I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm on the edge it's of my delicious. seat, Fraser.
3: Yep. He's going for a delicious rat's neck instead of a native bird, which is great. And um, what happens is he pushes a small pin and that makes a bolt um, fire straight through as quickly and as harmless as possible. Well, I don't think um, it's harmless, Fraser. Humane, humane as possible. Um, uh, and, and it crushes Mr. Rat's skull. Bam! Um, instantly.
2: So, so he he falls down. He or she was well, Mr. Rat. We established that he he falls down, and yeah. and just sits there. Well, lies there uh, in state on the forest floor, and the trap resets. And presumably, uh, just uh, the rats just pile up until until it's out of gas. Is that how it works?
3: Yeah, that that is correct. Although um, you'll find that the actual uh, scavengers, the rats, sorry, get taken by other scavengers as well. Um, and uh, a lot of uh, video um, proof has shown that, uh, one, they get scavenged, and two, actually, if they do pile up, it doesn't stop any other rats crawling over them to get to the same lure. Just
2: just makes it easy for the small ones to reach it. Hey, so how many many of these um, traps have you got deployed around the country, Fraser?
3: Yeah, we've got 196 across three projects, one in the Waitakere Ranges helping the Kukako, uh, one project in the Coromandel helping our brown... Kiwi and one in the Catlins helping out the Trinity uh, Penguin Reserve helping out our uh, yellow eyed penguin.
2: Very cool. Sounds like uh very high tech stuff. After the break and talk to uh, Fraser McConnell from Squawk Squad about the uh, about the app side of the trap. Back soon. Sunday social. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social with you right through until eight o'clock on the line from Wellington, Fraser McConnell, co founder of Squawk Squad. Fraser, welcome back. Thank you, thank you Vaughan. Hey, before the break we were um, describing how you guys have deployed uh, almost 200 of these very high-tech New Zealand made rodent traps that can catch up to 24 rats without being reset, which is pretty cool. But uh, there's, there's two other aspects I want to talk about. and One, one aspect is the way that these traps uh, report every time they, they catch something. So tell me how that works and what you do with that information.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess uh, we talked about the good nature trap and how that works. And um, on top of that is a sensor on the trap. Um, So these little remote sensors, and that's from Encounter Solutions, an awesome company up in Auckland. Basically, whenever that trap fires, when a pest puts its head up to get that nice uh, lure, that little waxy goodness, um, that will tell us, it'll send a, a message straight to a receiver at the top of the park. Um, And that will relay via SATCOM and without getting too technical on you, basically that comes back to your app and allows you to know that you've caught something, whether you be the conservation manager or whether you be the person that actually sponsored that trap in the first place. So you can be directly uh, um, connected to the uh, contribution you made to that uh, conservation project.
2: So I guess a drawback of the old, um, you know, plywood and mesh traps that we, you know, we see on the tramping trails and things is once there's a dead rat in there, that's that until you know they, someone does the rounds and resets it. So you don't really know how many rats are out there because you know once the trap has caught something, that's all it's going to catch. How busy, without without uh, freaking anybody out? How busy do these traps get?
3: Yeah, um, look, you're right in saying that you've got. Uh You've got some wooden boxes out there. When, the unfortunate thing that when you would dock 200s or other traps out there, catch something, their defenses are down. Unfortunately, when you've got a gas-powered trap, it means that they stay um, firing. Now, in terms of busyness, over the three projects that we've had, um, we've now, and they were deployed at different times from uh, last December, ranging to um, even back in February. Um, but as of last month, we hit 1,000 pests. Uh, which was really exciting. And you can see that metric, um, that ticker on our website at squawksquad.co.nz. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
3: and you can see exactly how many pests across the nation that we've caught um, in, in live time. Um, so that gives you an idea, um, a thousand pests over that, that amount of time.
2: Now, one of the, um, the groups that you report the activity in the traps to, you mentioned, is the people who sponsor the traps. And now this, this is something I, I want to get into because this, this sounds really interesting. When we talk about the Squawk Squad, the, the, the squad is actually people like you and me who have decided, you know, ra- rather than spend 20, you know, 20 bucks on a toasted cheese sandwich, which is a whole other story, <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to spend it on uh, fractional ownership of a rat trap. Tell me how that works.
3: Yeah, look, we've really tried to uh, get everybody involved in conservation, whether you've got um, you know, a, a full-time job and you can't get your hands dirty out of the bush or you've just got a family or you've, you're on the couch, whatever it might be, everybody should have the chance to be part of a, a predator-free New Zealand and trying to help save our native birds from the crisis that they're in. Um, and so we allow people to do that by breaking down the cost of conservation and we crowdfund these traps um, so people can pay as small as $20 towards a trap and then they have one 20th share of a trap and they're connected with that trap and every time that they catch something they get a live notification letting them know um, that they've made a difference in New Zealand by, by saving uh, by trapping one of these pests which is helping save our, our native birds and we've had a number of messages today from um, awesome squawkers um, sending out uh, getting gifts for their fathers today on um, Father's Day which has been awesome to see traps going across New Zealand um, for some some incredible fathers um, they deserve it across across our territory.
2: If 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 only we'd had this corridor uh, last week, people people could have planned ahead, planned ahead and got <laughs> got their dads um, rat traps. Well oh, it just strikes it me. Tribes. As you were saying this, I'd have to talk to my accountant, but I'm pretty sure I paid more than twenty dollars in tax last year. Um, why why don't you just get some of that sweet sweet tax money? You know why why isn't DOC uh, funding this whole thing? If they're so good.
3: Yeah, look, DOC's got a, a huge mission on their own hands, and same with other conservation organisations. Um, so, so it's about actually collaborating in the space and pulling um, a lot of um, organisations together to try help towards the same cause, which is helping save our, our native birds in a predator-free New Zealand. Um, we work with DOC in other ways. Um, there's things such as our our, our, our Conservation Week um, education program uh, that we've ran uh, both last year and we're running this year, and that's that's very exciting. Where Actually, we did what Doc had been trying to do for 10 years. We managed to do it in three years. And we got 40,000 kids signed up to a digital education pack last year. Um, and that really taught our kids and our rangatahi about the crisis that our native birds are in and actually gave them the chance to act. And, and they recruited their whanau and their friends to sponsor traps, kind of like in a 40-hour famine model. Yep. Um, they got their, 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 their whanau to actually sponsor traps. To help um, our, our backyards um, by helping sponsor Traps to Conservation Projects um, with Squawk Squad um, and that was super exciting and this year we're doing the same thing but with virtual reality and we've got over 40,000 kids signed up as of last week which is um, really, uh, really ecstatic uh, at the Squawk Squad headquarters. Oh, I bet it is.
2: it is. So, so back back to the traps. And because this isn't a talkback uh, show, I'm I'm scared of nothing. So I'll, I'll open this can of worms. Um, Absolutely. What, what's the What's the advantage of a trap over a, you know a good old patriotic New Zealand 1080 drop? <laughs>
3: yeah, and you open up the big questions. Um, look, uh, Squawk Squad really just uh, we ensure that we don't use anything toxic, um, and we stay away from um, anything. Um, that is uh, toxic whatsoever, we stay simply on a trapping basis um, and trying to engage as many people as possible um, and so that they can be a part of that. Um, So really we're geared towards instead of, um, uh, it's not necessarily the traps in which we're doing are going to kill or uh, remove all pests from um, Aotearoa. Um, However, they are going to engage 20 people every trap that we um, in store or at least up to twenty people. And that's the real power of Squawk Squad is trying to engage our our, our Kiwis in protecting our birds.
2: That that's um, a re- that's a really interesting point because you know for four four hundred bucks a, a trap that's that's top dollar and you've only got two hundred of them around the country and you've you've got a thousand um Thousand pests down so far, and I'd I'd need to Google this, but I think there's well over a thousand rats in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so it's as much uh, a community building and awareness thing a, a, as it is large scale eradication. Having said that, though, what what are your what are your future plans for the the trapping side of Squawk Squad?
3: Yeah. Look, um, there's there's a big future, and as our technology advances. Um, you know, Moore's, Moore's Law of Returns, um, watching our uh, technology advance every single year and often half in the cost of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there is only uh, an abundant amount of what we can head towards, and there's awesome people such as the Cacophony Project um, releasing newer and newer technology um, and trapping technology as we move forward. Um, and once again, we're looking to collaborate in the space of um, using cutting-edge Kiwi technology um, to put at the front of these conservation projects um, rather than continue with pencil-to-paper recording um, um, or any measurements of, of, of such. Um, so we're open in how we work. Um, however, um, we, are, we are sticking to our core at the moment, um, and we're very excited about the future of trapping technology.
2: Have you had much interest from overseas, or is there enough of a problem to deal with right here?
3: Um, Yeah, a lot of interest overseas, and you'd watch the uh, good nature traps have been released over in UK and the US um, and and really expanding quickly. Um, Squawk squad's very focused here um, because although uh, there are issues overseas, we're very much facing a a crisis in Aotearoa, and it's the first that we want to really take care of. Um, However, we also look to... It's not just takes our country to take care of Aotearoa, but beyond. So any sort of uh, sponsorship and and support we can gain from gain from overseas, of which there are a, a huge amount of um, people wanting to support us from overseas, um, the merrier.
2: So if if someone's listening and they've gone, oh heck, I didn't get Dad anything, and <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to have to avoid him, you know, on the street for the next three months until he forgets about it. Uh, how do they go about uh, obtaining a, a portion of or in, indeed an entire trap in, in Dad's name? How do you do that?
3: Oh, great question, Vaughan. Uh, look, really simply, you go to squawksquad.co.nz. Um, you can read more about it there, but you just go to fund a trap. Um, and you can go that. You can see the top of our bar. I mean you can even check out the projects that we've got going on across Aotearoa, and you can choose which one you want to be a part of. At the moment, we're funding uh, we're funding towards Pukaha Mount Bruce, which is in the Wairarapa re- region, um, the Greater Wellington region, um, of which you can um, you can help out uh, try save our Kukako there. We're trying to take breeding pairs from 30 um, up to 100 there. Um, an incredible mission um, from Pukaha Mount Bruce, and we're supporting them in every way we can.
2: And and tell us about the numbers. So you you said that um, it starts at twenty bucks for a a one twentieth share. What happens after that?
3: Yep. So it steps its way up all the way up to a full trap, which is three hundred and sixty five dollars. And you can sponsor it that way. But you can also get a tenth of a trap, and a fifth of a trap, and a a half of a trap, um, as 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 much impact as you're willing to give on Father's Day or or any day moving
2: forward. Hey, Fraser McConnell from Squawk Squad. Thanks so much for joining us uh, tonight on Sunday Social.
3: Thank you, Vaughan, and kia kaha.
2: Oh, k- kia, kia, all the birds. Hey, um, after after the break, Julian Waters joins me in the studio. He is just waiting, waiting through the glass, uh, and we're going to be talking apps, websites, and internet news you just cannot do without. Back soon. It's Sunday Social. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and Big Sunday Social. Welcome to the studio, Julian Waters. How are you, buddy? Good. Yeah, good to see you, Vaughn. Good to see you. Did you enjoy the, that that chat system. about the birds, the birds and the rats? Oh, it's a cool um, setup. Yeah, we talked about it.
0: I think the last time I was here. Yeah, this, so
2: yeah, it's... we did. We did. I, I I had just heard about it, and I said, I've got to get the guy on the show. I've got to get the guy on the show. Yeah, um, yeah really, really interesting. The, you know, it used to be, it used to be that the uh, the trendy um, socially conscious. Gift would be a uh, a goat, or you know, uh, some money towards a well in in the third world, uh, but now it's um, a, a fractional ownership of a rat trap. <laughs> In a, in, a, in a sanctuary in uh, in New Zealand, which I think is kind of cool. Hey, and of course, you can listen back to that whole entire interview at nz under Shows and Sunday Social. Thank you to the people who are texting in about the toasted cheese sandwich. I think you people are a lot more generous than the uh, the Radio Live Drive listeners on Friday who were 88% against um, my my very Auckland act of paying $14 for a toasted cheese sandwich. It's about 50-50 tonight, which uh, which I thank you so much for 3920 keyword live uh, and just let us know, let us know whether you would under any circumstances pay $14 for a toasted cheese sandwich. Julian, would you? Absolutely not. Toasted no, 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 absolutely. To- I'll, I'll just, I'll take your first answer. $1, do- $1 loaves from countdown or wherever, you know? There's oh, for goodness sake. I'm going to flip that around. You're, you're in a fancy restaurant. Would you buy the cheapest thing on the menu? Sometimes. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. And what if it was the toasted cheese sandwich? Cause <laughs> that's what I did. Context. It's all about context, Julian. Was it a nice sandwich? Did you enjoy it? It was the best. Uh, I'll, I'll show you a photo. I'll show you a photo on the old uh, Huawei P20 Pro and uh, sponsored. Um, and you can tell me for yourself if you think this is or if this is not the most beautiful toasted cheese sandwich ever. Ooh. It's good, isn't it? it has it's sides. good. And uh, at, home, at home, if you want to see that, you can have a look at my Twitter feed at Vaughan Davis or go to the uh, Radio Live. Uh, Facebook page, I do believe it's still up there from Friday. Delicious. Hey, um, YouTube, YouTube, it's all bad news down at the tube. More ads. We don't like ads. Yes, we do. We love them. Oh, A- advertising yes. helps me choose. <laughs> it informs my life choices and exposes me to brands that I might not otherwise know about. <laughs> uh, what, what, what do you think? Ha- what do you think happens, Julian? Three times a show for two minutes when you're outside having a drink of water or going to the toilet. Ads. Ads. And everybody
0: loves them, don't they? They make the
2: world go round. That's what everyone comes for. They do. What a they shame do. they have to they listen do. to us they in do. between. They them. do. We're just the, we're just the filler. Mm. Um, YouTube is about to get a bit more addy, though, isn't it? It is.
0: I always feel like when a new – well, YouTube's hardly new, but every time a new social network becomes popular, it starts out with – practically no ads at all. And then slowly over time, you get more and more of them and then they get harder and harder to avoid.
2: It's about users, then it's about revenue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I guess YouTube basically has all the users um, and so now they're sort of upping the revenue. So yeah, so we're all, I guess we're all familiar with skipping ads on YouTube after five seconds, which actually, I've gotten so familiar with it when I, watch a video on something else and it doesn't let you skip the ad it, it's really frustrating and you feel like you're in the dark ages yeah
2: well you're going to have so to get used to that dark ages
0: feeling yes because youtube's it's not it says some i don't know it'd be interesting to see if it ends up being all of them but yeah we're going to have to watch 15 to 20 seconds of them now and why would that be so people who make well they're saying so people who make content for youtube can make more
2: money and, 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 and the so, real reason, of course, is, is people who sell hamburgers, cars, and deodorant can get more eyeballs, isn't it? Of course, the, 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 the other angle on this, and this is, this is the Spotify argument, right? Um, they're going to pump these ads in, and they're going to do it so annoyingly that you're going to go, God, I wish there was a free, you know, an ad-free version. Mm. And sure enough, there is. For 15 bucks a month, you can buy, you know, you can buy YouTube Premium. I know no one that buys YouTube Premium. But if those yeah, yeah. ads become pervasive and annoying enough, you're going to make that flip, and suddenly you're going to be in YouTube's pocket for $15 a month forever.
0: If YouTube offered more orig- content like the Netflix style stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that, that's, that's what
2: you pay for Netflix, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly the same. Um, you know, but you, yeah, to sort of pay that for YouTube, it seems odd, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah, it's just the expectation. Because we've grown up, we've grown up getting it for free, and when suddenly they want to either bring in a whole lot of ads or slap a fifteen dollar a month um, ticket on it, it just seems a little bit harsh. Let's talk mm. tennis. You are um, you're probably the only ten- only tennis fan I know, actually. Yep, you're it. Uh, so every 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 time, doesn't matter what time of the year it is, whether there's tennis being played or not, you tend to bring a uh, technology tennis-related story, and you've got one this time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, It it made the list. I was pretty excited about this one. I
2: know, because normally I go, "Mm," delete.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's been around for a little while, this, but uh, it's being given quite some prominence now during the US Open, which is currently happening.
2: That much, Um, I know.
0: Yeah, Federer is still winning, Maria is still winning, Maria Sharapova, so, so our family's happy. Um, so w- during the coverage uh, of the, the tournament, they pu- they put in highlights from, you know, around the courts or from the day. And these highlights are now powered by artificial intelligence. Wait, what do you
2: mean? Because nor- normally, normally, normally this is a person sitting in one of those outside broadcast vans going, oh, I'll have a bit of that, bit of that, cut to this, go, uh, ready camera three, camera three. It's normally that, but it's not that anymore. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, that, that's right. Actually, a mate of mine used to do that during the rugby. They'd be sitting on one of the, you know, if something good happened, it's like s- grab that clip and stick it to one side. We're going to yeah, use that later yeah. sort of thing. So, yes, so now
2: um, IBM's fancy Watson computer. Platform. So it's uh, Watson. So let's just pause on that. And, and Watson's going to come up in more and more stories. Watson is IBM's artificial intelligence platform, and pretty much, well, I was going to say single-handedly, like it was a person, but um, Watson and the artificial intelligence at IBM has pretty much been at the reinvention of that company as a cool and relevant tech company in the last three, four years.
0: Would you agree? I don't know if, if I'd quite put IBM in the cool and relevant well, department yet. Yeah, but, 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 but certainly, uh, you know, this IBM on on the Watson, at yeah, least. this
2: IBM Watson sits sits behind so much interesting technology. You know, yeah. look at the um, those those creepy, ghoulish um, human video av- avatars that, you know, banks and airlines and things are rolling out, um, you know, soul machines and me mm. in New Zealand making them. They're very smart. They're creepy and ghoulish, but they're very smart. Uh, and the smart side of them, what's behind them, is IBM Watson, so artificial intelligence, yeah. big computer,
0: well, that, big computer. M- there you go. I'm uninformed. I wasn't aware that it was all IBM Watson Oh, it's, it's it all, all, so sort of...
2: all turtles all the way down. <laughs> so what yeah. is uh, what is Watson doing at the tennis? So it, it s- scans all the
0: video footage from the, the whole day, and where – where there's a whole bunch of fist pumps and a really noisy crowd and uh, a few other key triggers like that, it says right, that's a highlight. And so at the end of the day or halfway through the day, whenever they want to run these highlights, it'll just pop up and say, here's the top three, and they just play them. They don't need to. No one needs to sit there in the truck saving the clips or anything. I, I don't know whether someone you know sort of sets a, someone sets the precise start and finish point of the clip, but yeah, it's it's all done by computers. So, you know, of all those jobs you thought, you know, artificial intelligence, computers will never replace someone having to watch video footage and select what the highlight was. Well, you've just been put out of a job.
2: So, so maybe, maybe if I'm a tennis player, but I'm not a very good one, and I, I crack the Watson algorithm, uh, I, you know, I realize that a big smile and a fist pump gets me in the highlights reel. I should just do, every, every time I walk on court, I'll just do a big smile and a fist pump. I might be terrible at tennis, but I'll dominate the highlight reels. If you can get the crowd all hyped up,
0: yeah. Well, there are, there are some tennis players who would seem to play to the crowd more than the scoreboard, so they may end up featuring. That's good commentary.
2: Like that. You you should have been here two hours ago when it was the <laughs> sports show.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, could be commentary, would be a great job. I think you
0: just you know sit there and watch sport and talk about it. Uh,
2: yeah, I, 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 you suddenly uninvited yourself to the sport <laughs> show. I think because I—I uh, I promise you, there is a whole lot more to it than that. Hey, the the sport, and and this is this is questionable whether or not it is a sport. But um, a lot of uh, professional sports franchises are investing in esports franchises. So esports uh, is just a fancy name for computer games with other people watching on the telly or in a stadium, and it's it's huge. It's going off. But uh, the the link here is that China, which is you know fast becoming the world's biggest gaming market. Uh, a company called Tencent, out of China, uh, is buying game developing studios all over the world, including Auckland's own Grinding Gears. Do you remember that? It was mm. like three months ago. They they paid millions of dollars to buy that. Well, China has suddenly, suddenly out of nowhere, um, come out with this pronouncement from the from the leadership of China. And this is this is I, I checked this because this, this can't be right. I checked this. Um, too many of the Countries' children need glasses," said China's leadership. Therefore, we're going to limit the time that Chinese children spend playing video games. I don't know if that's very sciencey.
0: There's a few things that spring to mind. I don't know anything about the science either, but and I don't want to get into the. Whether a government should be limiting people's access to computer games, but uh, I'm a believer in limiting access to computer games. Are you? Oh, yeah. Are you? You, you know, my, my, my kids love coming along to radio. What do you think? What, do you think? What, what are they doing and, outside, the, outside the glass? They, they asked if <laughs> they could play solitaire, and I said, Oh, yeah, I'll let you play solitaire. Yeah, yeah but
2: solitaire will lead to, you know, 21, and that'll lead to poker, and next thing you know, they'll be, you know, they'll, you, you'll come home, your house will be gone because the, <laughs> the, they've mortgaged it and put it all on black.
0: I'd rather that than they spend all day playing Fortnite or any other garbage that people
2: get addicted we should, to. We should do a whole show about Fortnite. Um, but, so Chinese leadership has said, you know, Chinese regulators in a statement said, parents should minimize the use of electronic products when they are with their children. Oh, there's an out. It's only when you're with your children. Uh, the use of electronic products for non-learning purposes should not exceed... Fifteen minutes, and should not be more than one hour per day. And as a result, the um, the value of this this tech conglomerate Tencent, which has its fingers in a lot of pies, uh, plummeted five percent in one day. Yeah,
0: it's it's crazy. It, it's I mean it's an odd story because on the one hand, I'm I'm really down with that limit computer gaming. I don't. There's people that are really advocates of the value of it, in this way or that way, you know cognitive development and all this kind of thing but uh, all i said is a waste of time when you could be out doing something better but on the other hand yeah that's quite something to sort of really damage one of their own large industries yeah exactly
2: so so you'd you'd be an advocate then so the 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 venn diagram intersection of computer games and getting off your bum and doing something is augmented reality games like pokemon go which is having something of a resurgence at the moment. Have. have you noticed? No, no, I haven't. Keep your eyes peeled when you're out on the streets, and you will see little clusters of uh, young men, largely, standing on street corners or under, underneath uh, underneath trees, um, battle, battling battling um, fictional monsters on their on their phones. <laughs> But at least they're doing it out in the streets. It's, it is on the up and up. Yeah, it is on yeah. the up and up. That's, that's, wow. what, that's, one, that's one way to get people out is those augmented reality games. The other one is, um, and, and we've got some school holidays coming up, and it might be a little bit springy, so the weather might favour it, is a, a game called Geocaching. Are you familiar with Geocaching, Julian? Vaguely. Vaguely. Mm. So what geocaching is, it it predates the internet. Uh, it, it came about when portable GPS receivers, I think, were uh, a thing in the 80s and 90s. 80s, 90s? Mm. Um, and what it is, is a network of hundreds of thousands of little troves of treasure and i say that in, in inverted commas because really they're just little tupperware containers with you know maybe a, a smurf dollar trinket um a, a coin from somewhere and a note saying this is trove number one two three and the idea is they're well hidden some of them are tiny they, the, the film canister is is quite large in in this in this game they, they get a little smaller than that Mm, what's a film canister? My children <laughs> <Yeah>. are asking. <laughs> uh, film canisters are very popular, oh, yeah. and the the idea is you you'll you'll go you'll get a geocaching app, which is free, and you'll say I'm pink, I'm here. You'll allow location services on your phone, and it will say, well, there are ten within walking distance of you, and you go, wow, they must be thick on the ground all around the world, and they are, they are everywhere. There is this parallel universe. Mm of quite nerdy geocachers all around the world who have hidden these things and pretty much challenged you to find it. So the, the GPS coordinates you get will be vague. So it'll be, you know, within, I don't know, 20 meters and there'll be some cryptic clues. And you just take your kids there and say, here's the clue, away you go. And they're scrambling up banks and looking under, you know, manholes and, Emptying out, um, you know, smart rat traps to see if it's inside the rat trap. <laughs> Get, getting the end of their finger perforated by by one of Fraser's traps, uh, and and when they find it, when you find a cache, you note it on your app and go find another one. Yeah, exactly.
0: When you find the cache, nothing happens. You nothing happens. That you've nothing found
2: happens. It. It's it's. Well, it's like when you climb Everest, nothing happens. Just come back down. <laughs> exactly. You go to the South Pole, like you just turn around and head north. <laughs> Exactly. That's pretty much it. Hey, after Very the break, uh, even more apps, websites, and social media news. You just need to get through the week back soon. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back to the last 10 minutes of Sunday Social. Graham Hill with the Weekend Variety Wireless just champing at the bit, about to uh, about to leap into the chair, but Julian, it's you and me. It's you and me, baby, right through till 8 o'clock. We'll keep. You, we'll keep
0: you all company. We'll, we'll entertain you. We'll regale you with tales of technology wonder and woe. And yeah, pretty much. How don't, was that?
2: Don't ad lib, Julia. <laughs> just answer my questions. Um, when have you been to the Hawks Bay recently? Not recently. Are you planning to go to the Hawkes Bay in the near future? Oh, you know what? I I just should. You should, you should, because this is cute. I don't mean to be condescending, but, oh, Hawke's Bay, you've got an appy-wappy. Oh, that did sound condescending a little (laughs) bit, didn't it? No, this this just popped up somewhere. I don't know where I saw this, but uh, if you live in the bay, and I know a lot of you do, or if you're an Aucklander who, God help me, goes down and stays at one of those black barn places, um, this is the app for you. It's called the Hawke's Bay app. Uh, I like things that um, are called what they are. Yes, it's straight. It's straightforward. It does what it says in the tin, uh, and and it's it's a little bit hokey. I'll be honest. It's, it it takes a little bit of poking around and navigating and and, and and fossicking. You need it. It doesn't really have navigation. It has fossicking, I suppose. But it's got under the under the covers there everything you need if you're in the Hawkes Bay. So it's got um, everything from news, uh, weather, events, shopping, uh, accommodation, all that sort of stuff. The the what's on section is very very detailed. You know, if 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 the if the bowling club is is going to have have the front lawn mode that will be in there as well as the big stuff. Uh, even things like the shipping news. And where else would you go? Where else would you go for the Hawkes Bay shipping news? Uh, I think it's really cool. Um, and the news and the council information and how to apply for you know building permits and council grants, all that jazz. It's called the Hawkes Bay app. It's, uh it's more of a directory than an app to be to be honest but it's called the Hawke's Bay app it's free for iPhone and Android and and I kind of love it I downloaded it yeah I, I don't know how long it's I'll cute keep at the front it's that. cute at the front it's got a really nice logo it does and yeah. a lovely picture of that uh, that hill of theirs that that, that, that was um, enhanced with a zigzag track quite oh, yeah. recently We're enhanced right the, the the zigzag track doesn't make it into the uh, doesn't make it into the photo hmm. you mm. like it yeah yeah
0: like this reminds me actually the apps a throwback to to uh, how I made a living over the sort of a decade ago, building these sorts of websites for people. But you know, people don't really sort of do it now, because you, you know, if you want to know what's there and shopping, I mean, there's sort of Google Maps, does it, and maybe if you want to look at restaurant reviews, there's apps for that, and weather, you're going to look at an app
2: for that. Yeah, and, but
0: you don't. But, you, know, you know, it's kind of fun. It's,
2: why? Why do you want? You know, if I'm a restaurant uh, in Napier, why do I want? You know, Mr. Google, Mr. Sergey Brin. Uh, clipping my ticket every time someone comes searching. I'd rather be on the Hawke's Bay app. Spread yeah. the word, the Hawke's Bay app. Um, you mentioned Google, and you had quite a neat um, story you were telling me before about what you called the Google Earth of the seabed, well, at least for the Marlborough Sounds. Yes, I, I saw that they... Uh, it's N- uh, NIWA,
0: our um, what is it? National Weather Agency. I don't know what they're called. Exactly. I don't know, well, they're called NIWA, <laughs> Um, they are uh, par- partnered with some other agencies and they are scanning the seabed around Marlborough, the Marlborough Sounds, uh, which is interesting. Um, f- apparently it's last been done, obviously, without modern technology uh, in the 1960s or something. Yep. And so they're updating all this information. They probably
2: these... sent a boy down on a rope <laughs> in, the, in the 1960s and if he didn't come back, they, they just wrote deep or sharks on the map. <laughs>
0: You should keep ad-libbing. Yes, very good. Um, Yeah, well, they're using these scanners that point in different directions and stuff, and they sort of map the whole seabed, and they've found some sunken ships and all sorts of things. Obviously, some very more practical things, too. They can tell you how deep it is everywhere and whether there's something sticking out that's going to get stuck into the bottom of your boat. But, yeah, it it just kind of makes you think, um, is that the next sort of frontier for apps that you can, you know, apps like Google Earth or whatever, so you can see the... You can see the, bo- z- the, bottom, the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, I mean, it would be so cool to see all the buried treasure, all the um, sunken ships at the bottom of the sea by just zooming in through a satellite. Oh,
2: but but, but don't, don't you want some mystery? Don't you want some mystery? Mis- you know, would oh. you would you really like the entirety of the seabird to be mapped? Because then when you went, where's MH370? And someone <laughs> would go, search, 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 it's there. It's there. It's 500 kilometres south of the Seychelles. No mystery. I like mysteries. You could say, what, You're taking away my
0: mystery. What you just said, you could say about so many things. I know.
2: I know. But, but I like the fact that the Titanic was discovered rather than just Googled. <laughs> well, at some point it would have to be discovered so that you can Google yeah, it. Yeah, but it's just so methodical and boring. It's so methodical and boring. I liked that story at the beginning when you started telling the story, and now I hate it, and I hate you a little bit <laughs> because because you told it. Okay. Never tell me a story like that again. Um, you're going to like this one, though. Now, when you go to the Hawke's Bay, because you're going to, yes. now you've got the app. You see, you're halfway there. Mm. You're halfway, there. What's, halfway on, there. what's on tonight? Have a look. Um, you're, you're halfway there, now you've got the app. Um, you're going to fly down there, because that's the way to go. And how would you normally work out um, when the flights go and how much they cost? In New Zealand. In New Zealand or Jetstar, right, or both, yeah, and you go from one to the other, or maybe one of those um, uh, Webjet or one of those sites that advertises on the TV that says we compare the, you know, the the, the fares so you don't have to, right? Mm. Blah blah blah. I mean, there's blah, blah, probably blah.
0: sites that compare the sites that compare the prices yep. too. Yeah, yeah.
2: But but then who knew? On. And I know my my really even very high tech friends are going to come and say, oh, we knew, we've known this forever. Um, Google can do all this for you and it's really, really good. They've just given it a makeover. It's, the, the site is called Google Flights and the address is google.com slash flights. Okay. And it is the best way I've found to find, compare and then one click through to book uh, airfares both within New Zealand or anywhere in the world. It's really, really good. And the thing that amazes me is because, you know, Google pretty good at making websites, right? Mm. That's a bold claim. But uh, Google are pretty good at making websites. They're pretty good at search. Yeah. And they're pretty good at that fancy back-end stuff. Um, in my experience, it'll come up, if I say I want to go to Christchurch, it'll come up with a, 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 a fair and some options from Wellington to Christchurch, quicker than you'd get that search return if you're inside the New Zealand or Jetstar websites. In my experience, it's insanely good.
0: It's one of the things that Google is good at is is speed, which matters a lot if you want to check a lot of things. But they, they do say, isn't their motto to organise the world's information? Or exactly like right. They so, are,
2: and they have you know, organised the world's information. But but it gets even better because. Sometimes you don't care exactly when you're going. So, you know, you can look through airfare sites and you go, okay, this is the price for Tuesday. This is the price for Wednesday. This is the price for Thursday. It visualizes it on Google Flights, google.com slash flights. It shows you a graph of, across all the airlines, of, of what the airfares are doing over the next couple of months. Oh, wow. Because it okay. searched every every flight, every page, and it's just done it and done it and done it and done it and made a graph. So I, I for some reason, I thought, Beijing, let's have a look. And the flights varied by about 100%. Oh, wow. You know, from, from cheapest to, to, to most expensive. I don't know what was driving that. There might have been some, mm. you know, some festival that everyone was going to, or there might have been a an outbreak of, of dog flu or something that no one wanted to be there that month. And you could just look at it and you go, well, you know what? I... I thought I was going to go in September, but I could save $1,000 and go in October. So, google.com slash flights is my site of the week. I'm very much in love with it. Sounds very handy. It is really, really handy. I think it's the best thing ever. Um, Sorry, uh, actual airlines. Um, (laughs) And and thank you. Thank you for providing the data in a way that uh, Google can scrape and aggregate. And, of course, once you've found a flight you like, you just go book and it gives you an option of where to book it. So, you know, at the airline site or at a travel agent or an aggregator, whatever you want to do. Hey, thank you so much from uh, from me to Squawk Squad for coming in and talking on the phone. That was really cool and interesting. Julian Waters, as always, Saskia in the booth. Uh, and thank you for joining me with your, your Wi-Fi story. I'm Vaughn Davis, nighty night.